Last week, I told you to look at your neighbor and say it was time to get ready, and you guys did that. And kind of the theme that I'm always talking about is there's lots of things for us to get ready for, but if you think about it, what Vanessa shared earlier, really the ultimate thing that we're all trying to get ready for is eternity, amen? You know, now we know that Boston traveled a week ago tonight to Vancouver, Washington to start a new job this morning at 8 o'clock. So he did not imagine he was going to drive to Vancouver, Vancouver, Washington, move into his place, get everything ready for his work day this morning, and then die last night, right? So ultimately, what, we're, what we do here is we're trying to get ready for eternity, for where we're going to end up. But in the meantime, there's really a lot of really cool things we can do. Graduate a program. You know, first, Jake, the first thing he's going to do is get a new tooth. And he was, he was, man, he was sporting that thing yesterday, big time. You know, big time. He was sporting it, I'm telling you. And I don't know if it's one of those ones you take out or not, but, you know, but it, 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 he looks good. He looks good. And I'm proud of him working, buying something for himself, trying to get custody of his kid, doing the things that he needs to do to move on with life. So one of the things I, I hit on last week, only, only briefly, I told you all my story about my, my great defeat in my, in my track and field NorCal finals, you know, not keeping my eye on the prize. But what the word that I kind of glazed over was the, the word endurance. It says we're to run the race with endurance that's set before us. And I actually looked up, I said, what is, what is endurance actually? I know what it means to me, but actually the definition of endurance is the, uh, is the fact or power of enduring an unpleasant or difficult process without giving up. So am I saying that being a Christian is, an, is, 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 is an, something we don't know? I'm saying it's something that can be difficult. Living a new life is something. This is, this is hard. This is hard walking away from a life of addiction and trying to figure out how to live life on life's terms with a whole new set of people in your life, with a whole new set of instructions, right? Because we operated in a certain way. My salvation was so dramatic that when I came out of my coma, I realized that now as a believing man, I had no, mal no morals, no values, no sense of who I was, no sense of direction, no moral compass. It's like, I was like, holy cow, I've got to start from scratch, figure out who I am, what do I believe, how am I going to get plugged into that? How am I going to raise my family up in a godly home when I was never seen as a godly man? Well, the only way I can do that is with what Bob shared, God's unmerited or unwarranted favor upon my life. And he gladly gave me that, you know. But we got to figure out how not to give up. You know what I mean? How not to give up. I just started running again, okay? And a couple nights ago, uh, got Tony out running too. That's, that's an amen right there. Um, so, but when I go out there and run, I'm like, holy cow, the first run I only went on was like a mile and a half and I was exhausted. I'm like, I've run five marathons, what's the deal? 
It should be easy just to jump right back in and run. No, it's not because you build up endurance. You run and you train. You build up endurance so that you can tackle or conquer the big event, the big race. Amen? You put all that work into it. You do the race, and then you just kind of fall off. Doesn't that look like our Christian walk or our Christian faith? We come to church. We get an evangelist that shows up. We're all like, yeah! We're all excited. We're pumped up. The potter guy comes. Somebody drags you to church. You get all excited. You start reading your Bible. You maybe get a commentary. You, you, you turn Caleb, you turn Kadon off and turn Caleb on, right? You start getting into it. You're like, yeah, you get a couple of Christian friends. You, you come to church. You start working out spiritually. You start accomplishing things in your life. And you get a few of those accomplishments under your belt. You get a job. You graduate a program. You get a new tooth, right? Um, <laughs> amen. But one of our mentors yesterday asked him, yeah, but are you still in the Word? Unfortunately, the answer was, well, I'll crack out my devotionals again. When we don't crack out our devotions, we don't crack out the word, we don't show up for our church services, we start losing the endurance that we've built up. So when those trials come, we're not able to withstand the beating, right? I cannot just, years ago, I used to run, like I said, the 800, the 880, they called it. It's the 800 meters now because everything's metric. Still like the 880 better. Sounds cooler. Sounds further, right? But a few years ago, I used to run the, the 80 in under two minutes, right? So a few years ago, I, I went out to NPC, and I got some new shoes, and I'm out there all by myself. I get my, my, my new garment I had, and I got the timer on it, and I just, bam, I took off, and I ran an 880, two laps around the track. And I'm like, whoo, man, 11 minutes? <laughs> what? I had to take that new garment back to, to Best Buy because it was like broken, right? No, it wasn't. I was out of shape. I was out of practice. And I should have known that. I was like, you know, seriously, this needs to go back to REI today. It doesn't work. Um, but no, it, it worked. I was out of shape. I was out of practice. So what I'm saying to us is we have to spiritually Stay in shape. Just like if you want to run, you have to physically get in shape and physically stay in shape so that you can run those races when you want to. Right? We need to be spiritually fit so when the battle comes along, or that old girlfriend comes a knocking, or that old boyfriend comes a knocking, or all that old homeboy or homegirl, we can like we have some stamina built up and we can resist that and say no. That's not who I am anymore. That's not what I do anymore. That's not what I'm about anymore. And we have the ability to fend that off. So we have to stay, we have to stay in shape, amen? All right, so we are in verse 5. And it says, And have you forgotten the encouraging words that God spoke to you as his children? He said, My child, don't, don't. Make light of the Lord's discipline. Now, what does that mean, make light of the Lord's discipline? Excuse me? Yeah, don't take it for granted. Don't make light of it. You know, if the Lord disciplines you, like, oh, it's no big deal. 
You know, if you do something, the Lord kind of trims you or allows you that to come to light or allows you to get trouble. Don't make light of that because God is really trying to get your attention again by disciplining you. So it, what it's saying is pay attention. It is a big deal. Watch what you do. Be careful what you do. It's a good thing that we get those little disciplines, amen? That's what it's about. So it says, don't make, don't make light of that, and don't give up when he corrects you, for the Lord disciplines those who he, what does it say? He loves. So you know if you're, you know, and it, before you were a parent, this didn't make sense. This is going to hurt me more than it hurts you. Anybody ever heard that? All right? Yeah, right. You're not the one getting your butt whipped. Right? Seriously, right? But when I had kids, I then understood it. I don't want to spank you. I don't want to put you in your room. I don't want to put you on discipline. Right? I don't like doing that kind of stuff because it bothers me. Like the guys at the house when they get in trouble, I just tell them, I don't want you guys to get in trouble because playoffs are coming. I don't want you to lose TV privileges because I'm going to be sitting at my house watching the playoffs. Right? So it's no skin off of my nose, but I feel bad. Because I know I'm at home, I'm watching the playoffs, and I know they're at home, and they're not watching the playoffs because somebody or some of them did something stupid, and there was some discipline that took place. So I've, I derive no joy or no pleasure in seeing discipline played out in people's lives. But it's a necessary thing. And God is saying, when that happens to you, don't make light of it. It's because he loves you that he's disciplining you. So... I, I could say, I, you know, for me to tell these guys, well, I'm taking the TV away on Super Bowl weekend. I'm sorry. It's because I love you. <laughs> That's going to make me feel good. But they're going to be like, yeah, whatever, man. They're not going to believe that. Not for a moment. That's okay. Just don't make light of it. So don't give up when he corrects you. For the, like you said, he, and punishes each one he accepts as his child. So you know that if God is disciplining you, it's because you're his what? His child. If God's not disciplining you, then there is no relationship. Amen? That's not what we want, is it? No, because coming to a Christian program or coming to church or getting involved in believers, we want to be a part of God's family. We want to be known as a son or a daughter of God. But if he's not even going to waste his time disciplining you because you haven't even made that connection, right? I don't go to my neighbor's house and discipline my, 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 my neighbor's kids. They're like, what are you doing in my house? Well, your kids are misbehaving. I'm going to put them on restriction. No, I don't do that because I have no connection to them. I have no relationship with them. If, if, they, if they don't care what their kids are doing, then why should I, right? So we have to look at it like that. If we're, if we're getting disciplined or we're getting that like feeling in our gut, in the pit of our stomach, like, oh, Man, I, this is not good. That's God saying, hey, this is not good. And that's your sensitivity to the Holy Spirit. People say, oh, my conscience. Well, your conscience is the Holy Spirit, I believe. Right? So listen up. So he, that means he has accepted you as his child. It says, as you endure his divine discipline. We don't usually think his discipline is divine, do we? We think a discipline is like, well, this sucks. This is stupid. Why does it, I, I don't need this, or we come up with something, but I like the description as you endure, and what was the word that we talked about at the beginning of the scripture? Can someone tell me? Run the race with what? Endurance. So we're saying endure, 
So as you endure this divine from heaven discipline, remember that God is treating you as his own child, right? I'm going to, I maybe care about my neighbors, but I'm not going to discipline my neighbors in a way that is going to teach them and keep them safe as, as I am my own kids. Because I don't care what you say, you're never going to love your neighbor's kids the way you love your own kids. Amen? It's just the way it is. It's just the way we're built as people that we nurture those that we bring into this world. They're our children. They're of our flesh. And so we, we care what happens. And God is saying, this is, it's the same for me. You're my children, and I am in a relationship with you. I am going to discipline you. It says, God is treating you as his own children. For whoever heard of a child who was never disciplined by its father. I'm sure there are those that aren't, but, but what, kind of a, what kind of a child would you raise if you never disciplined them? Ever. Do whatever you want. Right? Can you imagine, can you imagine that? From the time they're little, hey, you know, just whatever. Do, don't want to go to school? Don't go to school. You don't, need, you don't want to get a driver's license to drive? Go ahead. You want to buy heroin? Go ahead. You know, you want to rob a liquor store? Go ahead. There's no right, no wrong, no moral compass, no direction that an earthly father should give to his, his son or daughter. And God is saying, just imagine, imagine who would do that? There's no parent that is not going to, in some way, shape, or form, trying to discipline their child. You tell your kid, don't put your, don't touch the what? The stove. Don't put the, don't put the bobby pin in the electrical socket. Don't walk out into traffic. Don't stick your hand in the lawnmower. Don't, you know, on and on and on and on. We tell our kids these things for their own good. So, so if God doesn't discipline you, as he does all this children, this means that you are illegitimate and are not really children at all. So maybe you're just like, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm just going to, because you go to church doesn't make you a Christian, right? So don't expect the same level of attention from God if you're just going to show up and come to church, if you're just going to play church. Now, if you want to enter into church, enter into the house of God, if you want to enter into a relationship with him, then the expectation is different. But if you just want to show up and pretend to be a believer, you're not going to get the same attention from God because there is no investment on your part into his life. So therefore, there is no investment. No, he's still going to, he's still going to be after you. He's still going to be putting those little things in you, telling you that you're drawing you or ruining you to into a relationship with him. Maybe making your life so miserable, it's like, man, I'll do anything. And that's okay, right? It's okay. It doesn't matter. How... Have you ever seen a race where the, the person that wins, it is the ugliest finish on record? The faces, the drool, just the agony, that messed up hair, the whatever, you know? Does it matter? No, what matters is you cross the finish line. It doesn't matter how bad or how ugly you are when you get there. The only, the only thing that really matters is that you got there. Amen, hallelujah, praise the Lord, I arrived. Right? Church is not for people to get, that, that are all fixed up. This is the emergency room to, to the church. Right here, this meeting, right here, regeneration in Monterey. This meeting is designed to get a little bit of knowledge, to get you to feel good about who you are, yeah I, yeah, I clean up pretty good, right? I'm going to go into the big church. I'm going to sit with the rest of the people, and I'm not going to feel ashamed of who I am. 
You know, when I, when I started coming into this church, I had the expectation because I was kind of the joke. I was the one that everybody knew that was, that was leaving their wife and four kids at home, out shooting dope all day, you know, getting fired from the fire department, getting fired from the ambulance, living in my car, being homeless, going to jail. I knew I was kind of the, the bad husband and bad dad of the year person. But when I became a believer, I didn't care anymore what everybody thought. I walked into this church with my head held high, and I don't care what you think about me. Because now, what I understand from God's word, I have the same grace as you do. Yeah, you've been a believer for 20 years. Maybe that ticks you off. You've been good for 20 years. And I, I've been out shooting dope and living in my car and stealing and lying and cheating and, you know, and just being a fool. And I, I can accept Christ yesterday, and I have the same, I'm at the same level as you are. Yeah, kind of, you're like, really? But that's how it works. You know what I mean? Look at, the, look at the, the story of the crucifixion of Christ. That dude was a believer for how long? Remember me when you go into your kingdom, right? That person was like a Christian, and then like 10 minutes later, they were in heaven. What about the poor guy that's a Christian for 97 years? Enduring the, it doesn't matter. God doesn't look at it. God looks at the heart. You're either in or you're not in. So, so shouldn't we even submit even to the discipline of the Father of our spirits and live forever? Because that's what the offer is here, right? There's that show called Deal or No Deal, right? And you always want everybody to, like, what's in the case? You know, they put all those really good-looking women up there and, you get distracted by, oh, man, oh. You, you, I mean, psychologically, you know you shouldn't pick that one case, but that girl is so cute. You know, the good, that's, the good stuff's got to be in that case because she is just so cute. But you're sitting there at home watching this going, no, no deal, no deal. God is looking at you going, what are you, what are you doing? That's, that's a bad deal, right? Look up here. This is the deal that you need to take. But we so often get distracted by the good-looking girl or that good-looking guy or that really good job or that shiny new car or that opportunity that's going to take me away from my friends and my family and my, my foundation in Christ because it looks good. You know, yeah, I'm going to make $40 million a year, right? Like Bob said, I read the toxicology report on the drummer, and he had 10, 10 psychotropic drugs in his system, plus, plus opiates. There was some misery going on. There was, there was some, like, anguish, some agony going on in there. Well, then why didn't he just go spend some of that $40 million and buy some peace of mind, some peace of heart, some happiness? Because you can't. You can't buy it. There's no price tag on it, right? Like they say, if you have to ask how much it costs, you can't afford it. That's like the, the rich man that said, what must I do to enter the kingdom of heaven? And the answer was, sell everything you have, give all the money to the poor. And so we know the story ended that the guy went away sad because he had a lot of stuff he wasn't willing to sell. But the choice is, who, who makes that choice? Can, can I make that choice for you? No. If you want to be miserable, that's your choice. If you want to be happy, that's your choice. Now, is being a Christian, is that automatic happiness? 
You're never going to get a flat tire again, right? Can you imagine the, the infomercial? Never get a flat tire again. Never be sick. Never be tired. Everything you want, whenever you want, anytime, day or night, right? No, that's not the case. The, the promise is eternal life. But the problem is for us, that's, that's so far away. I'm 30 or a 20. Well, believe you me, Danny didn't think I'm going to heaven tonight. You know, he thought, well, I'm going to start my job tomorrow, and I'm here at the hospital, and I'm going to have to call my new boss and say, hey, sorry, I'm going to be late. I know I just drove all the way down here from Vancouver, and I'm supposed to start in the morning, but I don't feel good. I'm in the hospital. I got kidney stones or whatever they think I have. No, we're just living our life thinking that things are going to work out the way they're going to work out, but we don't know. We don't know the ultimate, the ultimate thing that's going to happen. Nobody in that position would think legitimately that they're going to die. You just wouldn't, because that's not something that is, you know, we do. I mean, or that kid that, that fell off that amusement ride in Florida. I'm going to go to the amusement park tonight with my friends and hang out. I don't plan on falling off a 400-foot ride and dying. So we don't know what's going to happen. What we do know that if we, we give our life to Christ, try to do the best we can to do what we can do, that we know that if something unfortunate or tragic does happen, or if God simply just takes us home, we have a place to go, Right? You usually don't move out of one place until you know you have another place secured, right? So don't, don't leave this life without securing another place in eternity. It's just, it's just smart business, right? Verse 17, so it says, You know that afterwards when he wanted his father's blessing, he was rejected. It was too late for repentance, even though he begged with bitter tears. There is going to come a moment where if you have not done what you need to do, no matter, no amount of crying, I mean, I'm a sucker, right? I am. If you beg long enough, hard enough, you're probably going to get, you're probably going to get me to change my mind on most things. You know, please, please, Paul, please, 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 right? You got, some people know me, you know. I'm not as tough as I would like to be. But there will come a time when all the begging, all the pleading, all the deal-making, all the bargaining, I'll do this for that, I'll do this for that, and do that, you know, come on, you know, give me one more shot, give me one more chance, is going to be no. It's going to be no. It's going to be the final no. And then how are you going to feel? You're not going to feel very good, but at that point in time, it doesn't matter, it's too late. It was too late for repentance, even though he begged with bitter tears. You have not come um, to a physical mountain to a place of flaming fire, darkness, gloom, whirlwinds, as the Israelites did at Mount Sinai. For they heard an awesome trumpet blast and a voice so terrible they begged to God, stop speaking as they staggered back under God's command. Even, <clears throat> excuse me, even an animal, if even an animal touches the mountain, he must be stoned to death. Boy, those, I don't want to hear about the rules of the bridge anymore right? Come on, this is tough, right? Don't be telling me, oh, I, I, you know, I can't walk outside with a phone, and that's the end of, end, of, end of the world, you know? God laid down some, God laid down some serious stuff, right? We don't want to mess with that. We don't, we don't, if we don't need to go there, why go there? Why risk it? It's, we, we weigh out fat, we weigh out risk all the time, don't we? If I do that, I'm probably going to get caught and Tommy's going to be really mad, and he's going to put me on blackout. So is that sneaking out of the house and smoking a cigarette worth a week of blackout? Well, that may sound great, but you didn't, you didn't think about the part when you were crawling out the window 
to go sneak the cigarette that you were going to fall off and break your neck in the front yard, right? So you were, you were weighing the risk about blackout. You were not weighing the risk of breaking your neck and dying, were you? Or breaking your neck and being in a wheelchair. You, no, we always think of the least risk, the least amount, because we think that we're, that we're invincible. You know, I'm 23. I'm going to live forever. Nothing. I'm, I'm made out of rubber, right? I can drive as fast as I want. I can drive with my eyes closed. I can drive backwards. I can drive drunk. I can, drunk high, I can drive high. I can drive with my feet. And we're going to be fine, right? Come on now. I've done most of that stuff, right? I can drive drunk with my feet, you know, with my eyes closed on, the, on Interstate 680, right? Obviously, I was right. I'm still here. But, but was the risk wor- worth it? I mean, I, never, I didn't stop to think that I could kill somebody else because I wasn't worried about anybody else. I was only worried about, can I drive with my feet drunk so that I look cool with my friends? I don't know what that was all about, but it seemed like fun at the time. And now, all these years later, it sounds like that's kind of that's pretty stupid, You know, I don't think it was, I didn't think it was stupid at the time. So verse 20, when Moses himself was so frightened that, (laughs) so frightened at the sight that he said, I am terrified and trembling. So you may not be afraid of God now because it seems so, it's like it's a million years from now, right? Or or it's not going to happen. So we don't have a whole lot of real healthy fear of who God is. Because it's so far away, it's going to, oh, I'm going to die. If you ask almost every young person, if I did a survey of people coming into the bridge over the years, they would say, oh, man, that is so far away. I got so much time. I could probably come back here three or four more times and do the bridge again before I die, right? I don't know why you'd want to do that. Um, I'm not saying it's a bad place to be, but, I mean, I think you got better things to do with your life and get moving on with it, so... But if Moses is terrified, we should have a healthy fear of who God is because God has the ability, if you're a believer tonight in Christ, he has the ability, the willingness to discipline you. And he can discipline you hard, right? But we're, so you're thinking, oh, what's, you know, I'm going to get a ticket. No, I mean, what if, you, what if he disciplines you by... Allowing you to be in an accident and you were a, parapl- a quadriplegic, right? Where you're in a wheelchair, moving it around with your chin or your tongue for the rest of your life. What if he allowed that to happen to you, to get to you? Well, in God's economy, it says it's better to enter the kingdom of heaven that way than to not enter the king- kingdom of heaven at all, correct? So maybe God is going to say, this fool is not going to listen to me, and I'm not calling any of you a fool, um, if I, if I do, I'll tell you you're a fool. You know, like, not in front of everybody. I'll say, hey, you're being foolish. But God is saying, hey, this fool is not, never going to come. So I'm just going to allow this. He wants to drive with his foot, with his eyes closed on the free. I'm going to allow him to crash into the guardrail. He's going to be a quadriplegic, but now he's going to become a believer. So who wins? God wins. I certainly win in the long run, but I've got a lot of years of moving, a wheel, like moving around with my tongue. You know, a lot of hard life ahead of me. And that's not... Let's weigh, out the full, let's weigh out the full thing, right? We only weigh, around, we only weigh out the kind of little, like, oh, it's not going to be that bad. I, you know, that, Claudio was, oh, it's not going to be that bad. You know? Yeah, it could be, right? It could be the worst thing you ever imagined, you know? Did I think I was going to be in a coma and have a stroke and almost say No. 
I would say it's the best thing that ever happened to me, but ideally, ideally, I daily deal with the, with the, I daily deal with the effects of it. Every single day, there's not a second, not a second that goes by that I don't deal with the consequences of that choice to do what I did. But I did, I did end up in a relationship with Christ, but I could have done it like so much easier. People say, well, did it, did it, did it take a stroke to turn you around? Yes, it did, but it didn't have to. That God, God will resort to those, to those tactics if he has to, right? But he doesn't have to. He doesn't want to. So don't push it. Don't make him. Just come on, go. Get on with the program. Move on with your life. Get doing the things you have to do. Find those things that fill you, fill that God-sized hole in your heart, but fill it with God. It says, it says, verse 20, Know you have come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to the countless thousands of angels. In a joyful gathering, you have come to the assembly of the firstborn children whose names are written in heaven. You have, you have come to God himself, who is the judge over all things. So ultimately, it's not your friends that are going to judge you. It's not your wife that's going to judge you, your girlfriend, your boyfriend. So don't worry about what they say, right? You're not my judge. You're not my jury, and you're not my executioner, right? It, you, you only need to worry about what God says. Like, what, like, like Bob will say all the time when we're doing, don't worry about what your neighbor says. Oh, look how silly you look raising your hand. Who cares? He's not going to be behind you in line going to eternity, right? So who cares what the person next to you thinks? Who cares what your old friend thinks? What do you mean you're going to church again? You go to church so much. Well, I used to go to jail all the time. You never complained then. You're going to complain that I go to, right? Anybody ever, you know? People are going to give you grief more for going to church 10 times than going to jail 20 times. Does that even make sense? Right? They should be saying, amen. You're not in jail. You're in church. I would love to shut the jail down, but... So would Bob. But the fact is, that's not going to happen because we have free will. We do what we want when we want, and we like doing that. And we, we pretend that discipline is going to be less, and we, plan we, have, we, we pretend or we tell ourselves that we have plenty of time to change and do something different. But I'm here to tell you, you do not. You don't, right? If you're fortunate enough to make it to heaven, look up Daniel Montanez and ask him, did you think that was the night? Oh, heck no. Right? I was wondering, I wonder if he packed his lunch. Like, if he had leftovers in the refrigerator in his little Tupperware container, you know? Did he have his, like, water bottle setting out? Was he, you know, have some nice new clothes laid out for the first day on his new job? You know? Did he gas, you know, did he get his, was he going to take the bus, or did he have a ride, or was he going on an Uber? What were all the things that he made or that he planned for that next morning? He certainly didn't plan to die because I'm guaranteeing the family's not going to go into that and say, oh, wow, we had, there was a suit laid out, there was a casket catalog, and there was a pastor's name, and there was a church, and there's a, a plot at a cemetery. No, they're going to they're gonna find the stuff he had laid out for work because that's what, that's what he expected, and that's what we expect because we don't ever take it that next step, and we should. I'm not saying go around every day saying, oh, I'm going to die today. Or, no, I'm not, I'm not saying that at all. What I'm saying is be secure in your salvation. Live life the best that you can. Build up your endurance and just do what you got to do. do. Take care of business. Handle it, right? Make friends. Encourage people. Love one another. 
You know, encourage and exhort one another. Celebrate. You know, I know we laugh when we say that Jacob got a new tooth, but he was like the whole time, you know, he was worried about what the chicks were going to think about that tooth. Right? Who cares what the chicks think about that tooth? You know? But that worried him, right? Wherever he went, he's ignoring me. Probably wise, probably smart, no. But what I'm saying is we worry about things that aren't that important, right? Who cares? If you are way more attractive as a a godly man missing a bunch of front teeth than you are with a nice mouthful of teeth that your, your parents spent thousands of dollars on at the orthodontist and being a jerk, right? Isn't that true? So God doesn't care what you look like. It doesn't matter how ugly you are when you cross the finish line, you guys. The point is that we need to cross the finish line. Let me see how much more I got. Hey, I'm going to make it. (laughs) Verse 24, you have come to Jesus, the one who mediates the new covenant between God and people who sprinkle blood, which speaks of forgiveness. So we know that our mediator is whom? Jesus. We know that Jesus died as kind of the middleman as our propitiation, as our payment in full, as we have all been, most of us have been to courtroom three or four or seven or eight, amen, right? And we want to hear, whether it's Judge Hood or a judge, whoever, not guilty. Boom, see ya, exonerate your bell, you're gone, you're free, never happened. That's what we want to hear. And that's what we're trying to do here. So, which speaks of forgiveness instead of crying out for vengeance against the blood of Abel. It says, be careful that you do not refuse to listen to the ones, to the one who is speaking. For if people, the people of Israel did not escape when they refused to listen to Moses, the earthly messenger, you know, message, I message, you know, Moses was, was, their, was their mouthpiece. Moses was the one that was telling. They didn't even listen to him. So if we don't listen to Jesus, we have no chance of being with God. Amen? So it's, that's what it's about. It's about you got to listen to who's in charge. And what they're saying is, if you didn't listen to who I sent, the chance of you listening to me has is, is been diminished or decreased. But that's not what God wants for us. It says, when God spoke from Mount Sinai... And his voice shook the earth, but now makes another promise. Once again, I will not shake the earth, but the heavens also. This means, means all creation will be shaken and removed so that only unshakable things will remain. And what does it mean to be unshakable? To be, it means to be solid. To be solid in who you are as a believer. Solid in who you are as, a, as an aunt or an uncle or a brother and sister or as a friend. We don't... We don't want those things shaking who we are. We want to be solid in our faith, amen? Solid in our relationship. Since we are receiving a kingdom that is unshakable, let us be thankful and pleased by God, God by worshiping him with holy fear, for, for God is a devouring fire. So we should have a healthy fear of who God is, and we should, we should, we should work out. We should work out physically, we should work out spiritually, and be ready for what life has to throw us on a daily basis. Amen? 